Hello, my name is Father Edward Looney, and you are listening to the podcast, How They Love Mary, a podcast that I hope will either be the beginning or the deepening of your Marian devotion. Probably about 10 years now, maybe even longer than that, I was introduced to a name that was a Catholic music artist. And there was an individual from the area who's since gone on to the Lord, but he shared with me some music of this individual, sending me YouTube uh, links and so forth. And so I became familiar with Kitty Cleveland, who is my guest today on How They Love Mary. And then I found her talk through Catholic Lighthouse Media, which is now Augustine Talks or Augustine Talks from the Augustine Institute. So uh, a little familiarity with her. And a few months ago, she followed me on Twitter or one of the social media platforms. And I said, I want to have her as a guest on How They Love Mary. So today, I'm very excited to welcome Kitty Cleveland, who is a singer, songwriter, and inspirational speaker from New Orleans. She began her professional career as a lawyer and then as a college professor. But in Adoration Chapel one day in 1998, as she searched for God during a devastating family crisis, she clearly heard the Lord Jesus call her to become a music missionary. She lives, as I said, in New Orleans with her musician husband and teen daughter, who they adopted from China in 2005. And we'll talk about this. They pray the rosary together on Instagram uh, each day. So welcome to How They Love Mary, Kitty Cleveland. Thank you so much, Father Edward. It's great to be with you. It is a great joy to be able to talk with you and really to hear some of the background. We heard some of it in your biography today that, uh, for example, that you were in a devastating family crisis, went to adoration, and really felt God nudging you to become a music missionary. So could, could you maybe share a little bit of that story of how you arrived at the adoration chapel that day and then really decided to leave everything behind in order to do this music career? Sure. Well, it was really sort of a gradual process, but um, my, I was practicing law with my dad and discerned discerned that the Lord was really calling me out um, to do work that was healing and that was life-giving. And for me, that was going to look like singing for the Lord and also to get a master's in counseling. And so <clears throat> the day that I left my father's law practice f- to register for my first semester of my master's degree, was the day the FBI showed up. And so that started this kind of nightmare for our family that lasted several years. Ultimately, my father, who was a Catholic deacon, was sent to prison for 10 years for some uh, crime he didn't commit, white-collar crimes. And ultimately, he was exonerated um, when the United States Supreme Court unanimously reversed his convictions. But it was only after he had been in prison for two and a half years And frankly, I became a lawyer because my dad wanted me to be a lawyer, and I'm the oldest of six girls, and so, you know, sort of the default son in that position, and he just wanted me to work, practice law with him the way he had with his father, and um, so it was really my dad's dream, and it it wasn't until this crisis happened in our family um, that I really started keeping a daily holy hour. And we were living, my husband and I had moved to a new parish that had perpetual adoration. And so I started going every day and it just changed my life. And that's when I really started very clearly hearing the Lord, um, what the call was on my life. And it didn't make much sense to most people who knew me. Certainly didn't make sense to my dad, but it all became apparent um, 
as as it continued to unfold. And so I've just been amazed at what God has done. Yeah, with my little loaves and fishes. <laughs> yes. It's always the best way I can put it. It's always interesting what happens in adoration, of course, that people experience profound things there. I remember Mm -hmm. in the early years of my priesthood that there was just a really bad day and uh, just had a terrible disagreement with someone that I worked with. And, you know, I was just almost ready to hang it all up and say, like, I want a different parish, whatever the case might be. And so I went to adoration that night for two hours and really just prayed and poured out my heart to God and said, like, what do you want me to do? Where am I supposed to go? All of those questions. And so I think for anyone, adoration is really the place where that can happen, where we do go and we talk to the Lord and, and that we can actually sense where he's leading us, where we have that that peace in our life. And then it's up to us then, once we hear that from the Lord, for us to respond, and that's what you have done. With God's grace, yes. Um, and truly, ador- I would say 95%, if I had to guess, of the real life-changing inspirations I've had in my life have come in adoration. I know that writers, songwriters like yourself probably, like we get some of our inspiration right there. You'll get an inspired Mm -hmm. word or phrase that will be your next book or chapter or article, whatever the case might be. So there is something very profound about having adoration as a part of your life. Amen. One of the things I know, so we're talking about the Eucharist just now, and uh, my favorite song of yours actually is the In the Breaking of the Bread. Now, it was a song written by someone else, I believe, but you do kind of a Mm -hmm. cover of it. And it's just one of my favorite songs, and it goes to the story of Emmaus and how the disciples were walking, and then they realized it was Jesus, and then suddenly they were alive. And it's just such a beautiful recounting of um, of that story, but also of the power of the Eucharist, that in the breaking of the bread, we found him. In the breaking of the bread, we saw him. And as it goes on. So uh, it's just, I want to share that with you. One of my favorite songs, and I, I will look it up every now and again, just to, to hear it and to pray with it. And uh, I recommend it to, to others. But you have so many other mm-hmm. CDs out there as well. You have 12 CDs of music and prayer. And can you just share a little bit about some of those CDs? I saw that one of them, your Hail Holy Queen CD, was actually on Billboard uh, as a as a, one of the top 10, I believe, uh, song, uh, CDs. Is that right? <clears throat> that is right. <laughs> How about that, right? A CD dedicated to the Mother of God. It was for the 10th anniversary of Fatima. That's actually my last CD, um, was Hail Holy Queen. So it's just all songs to Our Lady. And it has my testimony about Mary um, that I really wanted to share with people because when I was growing up, I did not have a strong devotion to Mary. And New Orleans is a very Catholic city, but you know, it was the 70s and the 80s. And so a lot of Catholic educators stopped teaching the rosary or any Mariology, and so I didn't, the only real Marian tradition we kept, I didn't, I never learned how to pray the rosary um, in school, was the May crowning, and so we would have this wonderful neighbor who would cut roses from her garden, and for my little sisters and me, and and we would wrap them in the wet paper towels and aluminum foil, you know, and, and bring them for the May crowning, and so my 
my relationship with Mary was um, distant. It was like, to me, she was up on a pedestal. She was unreachable. I was never asked to crown her. You know, <laughs> she never, I would think she never appeared to me like she did the kids in Fatima and Lourdes. So she must love them more. And anyway, I didn't realize until really many years later, and I know you asked the question about my CDs and I'll tell you about them, but I think to me that this, for so many people, um, they, they have a hard time really relating to Mary as a mother, um, especially if they had a difficult relationship with their own mom. And my mother had gone through some trauma when she was younger that was unresolved. And when I was born, she had a really hard time bonding with me. And as a result, that impacted my relationship with Mary. And so I didn't understand that until I read the book, 33 Days to Morning Glory by Father Michael Gately. And it was several years ago, um, not long after that book came out. And in the introduction, he said, um, it's Mary's God-given mission to be your mother personally. And if you could just see the longing in her silence as she waits for your fiat to her, your yes, giving her permission to be your mother and really taking her into your heart, that it would give her great joy. And so I was sitting in adoration as I was reading this book. And so I put the book down and I looked at the Lord and the monster and so I'm like, I don't get it. Like, what do you mean she's waiting on me? I feel like I've been trying to get her attention my whole life and she just hasn't been interested. Like I had the sense like she doesn't like me very much. I'm not holy enough. She doesn't really have time for me. Um, and so that was a pair. And then I could just sort of sense Our Lady standing next to me and looking at me with this tender love. And so it was a paradigm, major paradigm shift. And I thought, well, yes, of course, always. I can always use a mother. No matter how old we get, we need a good mama, right? And um, and I have a wonderful relationship with my mom, by the way. But, you know, she lives in a different city, and she isn't involved in the day-to-day of, of my life. But Mary is. And then he, when he got to the chapter with Father uh, with St. Maximilian Colby, and Colby referred to her as the mediatrix of all graces, Again, I was in adoration as I was reading that, and I brought it to the Lord. I'm like, okay, don't get it. I can't move on until I understand this. And I had what I just best describe as a vision. I was just sort of brought into this daydream that totally captivated me. And I saw this cottage, like a stone cottage, and I was looking through the window, and I saw a fire burning in the hearth. And I understood that I was looking at my soul. And that the the cottage was my soul and the fire was the life of the Trinity living in me ever since my baptism. And then I was inside the house and I opened the front door and there on the front door were all of these wrapped presents. And I was like, yay, presents. And so I brought them inside and I don't remember opening them, but I went to the door again and I understood it was the next morning. (coughs) And there on the threshold were more presents. But the second time I looked up and I saw Our Lady standing outside the doorstep of my soul at a little bit of a distance. And she was smiling at me and looking at me with so much love. And I understood that every grace and blessing my whole life 
had come through her intercession, that she had obtained them from the heart of God for me, because he is, she is his handmaid and my mother. And so she brought these graces for the day, every day of my life, since my conception, the graces I would need for that day, she brought to the doorstep of my soul, and I had taken them, and perhaps some I didn't even open, I didn't use, but she had brought them to me, but that I had never said thank you to her, and I had never invited her in. And so not only was she not aloof, but that she knew me so intimately, and I saw her staying there holding my little girl, Cecilia, whom we adopted at 16 months after years of infertility. I mean, just so many gifts and graces had come through her hands and it just changed everything for me. And so I did invite her in, into my heart to be my mother, to live with me um, and to be an intimate part of my life, which she already was. I just wasn't aware of it and um, also apologized to her for not having done that earlier, you know. So, so yeah, all right, I'm already tearing up, Father. <laughs> I, I, I know this must be one of your talks. I'm looking at your website, Mother at My Door, discovering yeah. who the Virgin Mary is for us personally. And as you shared that experience, you know, that's, I, I wish everybody could kind of experience Mary and to know, know of her maternal love and her maternal concern, just as you did. And now, as you mentioned, that you're so grateful, you just said, I'm so sorry that I didn't receive this gift sooner, that I kind of ignored it. But then you go from that moment, so you're at the door, you let Mary into your life, and then, well, she is your mother, she is your sister, she's with you, she's praying for you, and so then you learn from her, and I'm sure that leads you in your own life then as a wife and as a mother to want to imitate the Blessed Virgin Mary, to to see in her different things that you want in your own life, and so... What are some of the ways in which you've discovered how to imitate Mary in your life? Well, that's a great question. I actually had another experience during Mass um, on Holy Trinity Sunday a few years ago. And the it's like I, I'm a very visual person. You know, that's how God most communicates with me other than through the Word. And, um, and I, I saw for lack of a better word, I saw in quotes the Trinity as this kind of like the Celtic, not, uh, you know, overlap, like a, like a triangle almost that's overlapping in the center. Like that's like a circle, three circles kind of overlapping in the center um, that are all connected. And then it was like this fire of giving and receiving love of the three persons of the Trinity. And then in the heart of that was Mary. And she was looking at me with her hand out and without words was inviting me to learn from her what it means to live in the heart of the Trinity as beloved daughter of the Father, mother of the Son, and spouse of the Holy Spirit. And so I'm figuring that out day by day, like trying to imitate her in those three relationships with the Trinity um, and it seems like I forget who I am so easily. I need to begin my day every day remembering that I am the beloved daughter of the Father. That is my identity. And to remember that. 
And then I don't need to grasp at idols or other people or success or whatever to define me. And it's not volatile. It's not changeable. It is eternal. And so to remember that I am beloved daughter of the Father. And then mother of the Son in the way that I minister to Jesus in the people around me. So especially as the wife to my husband and mother to my daughter and a sister to my five sisters and a friend to my group of friends. And so I love and minister to and mother, if you will, Jesus in them. And then spouse of the Holy Spirit to remember that the Holy Spirit is God and dwells in me and that the quickest way to holiness as saint saint faustina is docility to the inspirations of the holy spirit and so i get excited when i get a new inspiration and i tend to be an impulsive person (laughs) so sometimes that works in my favor when i just go for it it's like i don't overthink things and so for example the rosary that i started doing in fact today is the 200th live Instagram rosary uh, my daughter and I did in a row. We were doing it every single day, including the weekends at 6 a.m. And then um, we started August 15th on the Feast of the Assumption when the inspiration came. In fact, I was in the Adoration Chapel when that happened. I'd just gone to Mass, and I got this inspiration, and I knew it wasn't for my thinking because what I heard was get up early, like 5 a.m., which – I'm like a 7 a.m. rising riser, you know? <laughs> so I was like, 5 a.m.? If I would get up at 5 a.m. and lead the Angelus at 6 a.m. live on Facebook and then lead a rosary and for 54 days, to do the 54-day rosary novena, I was like, I don't want to do that. But I knew it was from God because it was definitely not my – I didn't want to do it. But I knew it would be a good thing. And so I have to have accountability so I went outside the chapel. I jumped on Facebook Live, and I said, look, I just had this inspiration. I don't want to do it. But if any of you want to do a 54-day rosary with Novena with me every morning at 6 a.m., starting with the Angelus, I'll be there tomorrow morning at 6. And if anybody shows up, I'll keep doing it. So that first morning, we had 80 people. And I was like, oh, man, I have to do this now. <laughs> and so that um, that started the the rosary, the live rosary that my teenager and I, Cecilia, just turned 17. And um, so we get up. Well, I get up at 5. She gets up at 5.45, the slacker, and um, before <laughs> school. And um, and we Facebook started muting my music because they don't want to deal with any copyrights, even though I own the copyrights. And so I switched over to Instagram and YouTube. So we go live on both at 6 a.m. Central Time every weekday morning now. And, um, and then we, uh, we pray. And so what ended up happening that was really surprising to me was that I started doing spontaneous meditations for each mystery and just asking the Holy Spirit to lead the way. And that has changed me. And um, because it's taken me so much deeper into the mystery of each of the mysteries and um I don't want to say it's a prophetic rosary, but just in the sense that it's different every single day. And a lot of times I end up in tears 
because things are revealed that I've never considered before. The fruits have been out of this world. So like this morning, I think we had about 210 people praying with us live. And then we have hundreds more later in the day. But just what people are writing to me, um, I've been saving their notes in a, in a word diagram on my desktop. And I think I've got about 70,000 words now. I just looked at my document of just what people are, the fruits that people are reporting. And especially like um, one woman returned to confession for the first time in 54 years. And another woman, 35 years. So it's just things that are way, way, way beyond my capacity. It's just, I guess, imitating Our Lady's fidelity. And when you and commitment is keeping your promise, even when the feeling in which you said it has long passed. I think that was St. Camillus who said that. And I hit that wall every once in a while when I'm really exhausted and I didn't sleep well or I'm traveling or on vacation and I'm still getting up early. Like, why am I doing this? Hmm. Is it because God asked me to do it and because I made the commitment. And it always seems like those days that are really hard end up being the most fruitful. Even when to me it feels like it was completely dead flat and I had really nothing to say. What, that happened recently, and someone emailed me who'd been praying with me every day since we started. And she said, today was the most powerful day for me. Thank you so much. I'm like, okay. The Holy Spirit does what he will, right? What he wills. And De- we definitely. just do our little part. I think those. That ro- <laughs> I think praying the rosary with others as a group is a very powerful experience, and you know it's amazing that we can do this all virtually now. And there are so many different yeah. examples of this. You know, there's that one Hail Mary at a time account. There's Father Rocky praying mm-hmm. the rosary in the evening on relevant radio for the family across America. Mm-hmm. Uh, their rosary. Uh, I was doing the rosary every day for a while. I live in Wisconsin, and so when the weather got cold and windy and whatnot, I I stopped. But I was leading it every day at our grotto. We have a Lourdes grotto Mm. that was recently declared a historical marker. And so uh, I would just bring out my phone and my tripod and just pray the rosary out there and let people look at the the beautiful grotto that we have. So... Mm-hmm. Um, I think people really look for these things and people want to pray with other people. They, they, they can do it themselves. Mm-hmm. And, but I think they really appreciate it. And especially as you give those spontaneous meditations, uh, I'm sure that, that, you know, they, they tune in for that. They, they hunger for that. They want to be led in prayer and meditation. That's, that's one of the questions I always ask guests towards the end of the program is just, you know, do you have a rosary tip to help people pray the rosary better? Because I think a lot of people want to pray the, the rosary. They know they should pray the rosary, but they're like, I just don't know how to pray it well. And so, you know, my goal is to help people learn little tools and tactics to, to equip them to pray the rosary better. So I guess as you've done now, these 200 rosaries plus, how how long do you think you'll keep going? Is this in perpetuity? Do you think God will tell you when to, to maybe call it quits? And or what do you expect? I have really no expectation, Father. I, keep, I just keep saying yes every day until I can't do it anymore. And so whether that I know that the day will come when I can't, whether because I'm dead or because, <laughs> um, you know, we don't have electronics anymore. Or, you know, there's 
we don't have internet. I don't know. I have no idea, but I do know that for me, the rosary is a non-negotiable now, the daily rosary. And I am just between you and me and your listeners. I'm 54 years old and it took me 53 years to finally start praying a daily rosary. And it was because I was trying to do it on my own. And it's really having community that makes all the difference. And so my tip would be pray with community. Do it with your family. Start a prayer cynical. That's what I've been encouraging my listeners. Because I said, you know, the day will come when I can't do this anymore. And so, and even if I can, like maybe the Lord is calling you to start your own rosary and go online or do it in your neighborhood or, but to, to bring people into it with you, into the gift, because we just know from Our Lady, there are so many graces tied to the rosary that we don't even comprehend. She just says, don't overthink it, just just do it, right? And um, But we don't want to do it just to get it over with. We want to actually get, it's like reading the scriptures and doing Lexio Divina or just reading the words. So we want to get something, we want it to change us. So I would say do it in community, start a prayer cynical, um, especially now that some of the restrictions are being lifted and um, we can gather, at least in Louisiana, they, a lot, the mask restrictions have been lifted. Mass was packed even just this morning for daily mass. Um, but to do what you can to bring other people into the rosary with you, and even just having my daughter here praying with me and doing, you know, taking turns leading our half of the prayers makes makes it so much more lovely and light. The burden is lifted of it when we pray it together. Um, so I would say, and then come pray with us. We would love that. I actually yeah. tuned in On earlier. Instagram or YouTube. Uh, I tuned in today, actually, when I was getting ready. I, oh, I, I opened up the Instagram app and I said, Kitty Cleveland is live. And so I clicked it. And so I tuned in. You're actually, uh, we're, we're recording this episode here in the early part of May and you were leading uh, the Our Lady of Fatima novena. So today begins, yeah. I believe, that, that novena that you are praying uh, in honor of Our Lady's first apparition to those three shepherd children. So... Um, yeah, one of the things you mentioned was that, you know, it took 53 years to pray a daily rosary. And that's not to say you didn't pray the rosary. You, it was, it was sporadic. It was, it wasn't daily. It wasn't that regular routine. And, and there are probably lots of people like that. I I don't think the rosary should just be something we pick up when we're in desperate need. I love the dog. Sorry. Oh, that's great. My dog wanted to come in earlier and I. I have a little signal. Just I give my dog. I, I give my you dog. Would, a I'm si- sorry. Oh, my dog wanted to come into the little studio, and so I gave her the signal. Oh. No, you can't come in. And so she just laid right down at the at the door. So, so I love oh, it when sweet. when the animals make an appearance. Um, but yeah, so I, I think people just struggle with the daily commitment, as you mentioned, and, and sometimes maybe they just pick up the rosary when they know someone is sick or they have a special petition, but but really to allow it to become a part of your life as you have allowed it to, as I've allowed it to, as so many others now uh, during this pandemic have. and. Uh, it, it is a beautiful prayer, of course. And so one of the things you do, I believe, is that you do lead a little song each day then um, to, to begin. Mm-hmm. And uh, let's just talk a little bit about your music. You have these different albums. Now, some of the songs are, are from the tradition. They're 
common Catholic songs people know. But then are there other songs that you yourself have written that you have sung as well? Yeah. Um, well, the first song I wrote was called Surrender, and it was while my dad was in prison. And essentially, it was the lessons I learned from my dad um, because he wrote newsletters from prison every month. And I'm actually writing a book right now that Heather King is editing for me about my dad's whole story. So I hope to release that later this year. Um, but I wrote this song in Second Corinthians 12, verse 9, especially when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Um, you know, the power of Christ is perfected in me, and my grace is sufficient for you. Those were his sort of... Um, his verses that really guided his whole time during that trial. And so I wrote a song about that and ended up being on uh, Life on the Rock on EWTN when Jeff Cavins was hosting. And unbeknownst, we had literally a Divine Mercy miracle happen, and my dad was released from prison seven years early, um, just a few days before Faustina was canonized. And I've been doing the novena with a specific intention that he would be released early and there he was. And so he was with me on the set and heard me sing that song for the first time when I was live on the air. So that was a very intense moment. And that was also the day my first um, 2000 CDs arrived. And I had heard the call. I was in my 30s at that point, but I had heard the call to be a music missionary when I was 16. And I didn't listen. And I went to law school. And then, you know, I, I did all of these um, diversions and things because I was afraid of just relying on God. And um, and I didn't have a mature enough prayer life then either. So um, it took me lots of kind of <laughs> very circuitous route to getting to music missionary finally in my 30s. But yeah, that song sort of launched it all. And then I wrote a song the night that John Paul II died called Now You Come to Me based on his last words, which I love to sing. Uh, it's what I imagined him saying to Jesus upon seeing him for the first time, and then what he was saying back to me as a spiritual daughter. I wrote that in adoration like an hour after he died. So that was really, um, and that was on the eve of Divine Mercy Sunday. Um, so I have a great love for the Divine Mercy because of that miracle that we experienced. And I've written another, another song called Psalm of Mercy, um, and another one called God Will Provide. So I haven't written a whole lot. I have a, like a hundred half-written songs, <laughs> but I tend to um, get distracted by so many different things. But what is my, my newest project that I'm really excited about um, is I had um, an inspiration on August 28th of 2018. I, I heard a voice say to my spirit, and I know it was Our Lady, um, give your music away to the poor, to the sick, and to the dying. No one should suffer or die without consolation. And so it was like, I was getting on the Causeway Bridge, which is the longest bridge in the world. It's 24 miles long. And in uh, just outside of New Orleans. And um, it just came like a download from heaven, what I needed to do. And by the end of the bridge, it was basically a done deal. And so um, a couple of months later, the first thousand mp3 players arrived little digital music players with um nine of my cds downloaded on it and and also i at the beginning i lead people through sort of an examination of conscience especially of forgiveness forgiving themselves 
forgiving themselves, asking God's forgiveness, and also forgiving other people. And then we go into the Sung Divine Mercy Chaplet. I wrote music for the chaplet, and I did it with the children's choir. And then into Gregorian chant, and I have an amazing story, actually, about the whole chant. I don't know if we have time for it, but I ended up recording it in Scotland. And so it's to help people, basically, who are suffering, and especially people who are dying, to die well. Um, but, you know, and you don't have to be suffering or dying to listen to it. But that it does seem that I've gotten letters from so many people <clears throat> that their loved ones have used my music to help. Uh, I'm sorry, that people have helped the, used my music to help their loved ones in those last, those last days and weeks of their lives to make that transition. And um, so then the, the month after they arrived, COVID hit the United States. And so many people were suffering and dying in isolation and their family members couldn't even be with them as they were dying. And then it all made sense. And so I just got some amazing letters from people. Um, one deacon in particular in New Orleans who said he'd taken such incredible care of his wife for many, many years who had Alzheimer's. And then in her last days, he was separated from her when she died mm. because of COVID. And he said it, it was heartbreaking, but I took consolation knowing that you were singing to her and that she was hearing God's message of love for her. And so, um, yeah, it was so, again, so beyond, Father, what I could have ever imagined. Um, but all God's want, God wants is our fiat to whatever he wants, just and to be docile to the inspirations when they come, right? Beautifully And put. that's really an imitation of Our Lady, yeah. Definitely. Yeah, and what a beautiful gift that your music can offer to someone, especially in those last hours of their life, uh, to really hear the the praises of our God, to, to know God's love. And, and yeah, how incredible that God uses each and every one of us, that's for sure. Yeah. And if people want to know, <clears throat> know more about that, it's called Sounds of Peace. And um, if you go to my website, which is just my name, kittycleveland.com, kitty, K-I-T-T-Y, Cleveland, like Cleveland, Ohio, .com, there's a Sounds of Peace link, and it'll tell you the whole story. And um, if you want to get one of these players for yourself or for a loved one, <coughs> excuse me, or if you would um, like to sponsor them, we do have nonprofit status now. And I'm donating $100 worth of music for each one and just invite people to sponsor them for $25 to cover my costs. And then um, they come in a beautiful velvet bag and with earbuds and charging cables and all of that. But it also has a, a like a bookmark with the listing of all of the songs, so they'll know what's on it. And then um, at the bottom of the card is the name of each sponsor so that the recipient can pray for all of your intentions. So, yeah, it's been a beautiful... Um, beautiful gift from God, really from Our Lady. The inspiration came from her. You mentioned that you live in New Orleans, and I've been down there. Mm -hmm. I was there for the Feast of Our Lady of Prompt Sucker uh, that oh, feast yeah. day, and I'm just wondering, have you ever made it over there to the shrine there, to the Ursuline Convent? Oh, yeah. I grew up just down the street from there. Okay. And um, have sung for lots of weddings. They have a beautiful, first of all, the statue of Our Lady there holding the infant Jesus is so beautiful. But if you, um, to the left of the altar, I don't know if you got to see the reliquary they have there on the wall. There's this old um, wooden 
um, display case that has doors that cover it. So you have to open it up and um, just hundreds of relics and skulls and all kinds. It's really, really amazing. <laughs> but yeah, very special place. And I actually don't live in the city anymore. I live across the lake, but um, but I grew up uptown in, in New Orleans, not far from that shrine. Yeah. Okay. Well, beautiful. Well, I'd like to thank you so much, Kitty, for joining me today. It's been a lovely conversation to come to know how the Blessed Mother really showed up in your life, really at the front door of your heart and your soul, and how you had to mm -hmm. open that door to allow her in and to see how that's really changed and transformed everything in your life to now allowing people to open the doors of their Instagram accounts or YouTube accounts so that you can lead them in prayer and pray the rosary with them. So what a beautiful work that you are really doing. And I'd like to thank you so much for sharing that with me today. Oh, it was a pleasure, Father. And if anybody would like to join us, um, Instagram, again, is just my name, at Kitty Cleveland. And YouTube, um, I have a YouTube channel. <clears throat> and so it's just youtube.com forward slash C forward slash Kitty Cleveland. And we'd love to have people join us. And I'll be sure to link to all of those places in the show notes so that people will have a place where they can find them quite accessibly and easily. So again, thanks so much, Kitty, for today. My pleasure. God bless you, Father. Mm -hmm.